0: Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is the one and only Tom Dennis. Now, Tom served as a Royal Marines officer for 17 years, and since his retirement has brought their discipline and leadership ethos to all his projects. He's worked with a wide range of clients, including Citigroup, RBS, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, GSK, Altana, BP, Shell, Centrica, Sub C 7, ConocoPhillips, and Transocean, just to name a few, and frequently facilitates multinational meetings in the UK and mainland Europe, in the US, and even in Africa and across the Far East. Now, his expertise lies in executive coaching for personal and organizational change. And Tom is passionate about building safe environments by making equity, inclusion, and diversity central to helping both the business and its people thrive. Well. I'm so excited to have you here on this show. Uh, I told you as we were kind of opening up ahead of time, I love having people from your side of the pond uh, because they've been amazing guests and and I have no less expectation for this, just what I've seen so far and doing some research for the episode. I'm really, really excited to have you here. So Tom, welcome to the show. Before we dive into some of this work that you're doing, I'd love for you to just share what were you doing before getting into coaching and consulting and how did that lead you to make the
1: leap? Well, Scott, thank you for that uh, introduction. Um, I've uh, I've had a number of careers. I guess um, I started as a as a lifeguard and then went into uh, a, a brief sojourn learning how to fly commercially, which um, ended when they I scared my instructor too much, and uh, then went into uh, I- industry. Um, for a few years. Then I joined the Marines. And um, it wasn't a name of mine, but I did end up doing a lot of teaching ar- ar- around leadership in uh, the Corps. And so when I, um, uh, well, retired, resigned, a bit of both, um, I uh, I looked for an organization that could sort of help me move on from, from what I would do, uh, 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 had been doing. And I saw this uh, this coaching thing and there was just one organization in the UK at that time that um, was offering coaching. And so I talked to them and it sounded very much like what I'd already been doing um, in teaching in one of the military colleges, although we hadn't called it coaching at that stage. So uh, I joined up and they gave me some training on coaching, which was mostly how to go to the Yellow Pages and phone people. And um, it, was, it was all a bit basic in those days. And uh, a few years after that, I went on a, um, a master's degree, which was actually probably one of the best courses I've ever done, which really looked at um, the, the psychology of change and um, looking at individual, group, and organizational levels. And that was where the, the coaching really took um, a, a much deeper root, if you mm. like. And, uh, so I took that model, individual group and organizational into the work that I was doing, uh, and really in many ways it hasn't changed. Um, the topics have changed a bit, um, and the, the, the are a little bit more eclectic than they were at the beginning, but yeah, um, I, I went into coaching. I mean, if I'm honest, I, I applied for an awful lot of jobs when I left the Marines, but nobody um, even replied to one of my letters. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to go out and do do this myself. And, you know, I'd had some experience of life already, but uh, learned a lot just by talking with CEOs about the issues and challenges they were ha- having.
0: And uh, I, I want to dive in on something that I saw uh, on your website, and it's this idea of helping transform cultures. And the the question that that jumped to my mind is: Why is it that so many cultures need to be transformed? Is that is that a, a function of something going wrong? Is it a function of something going right? Why do we need to change cultures?
1: So for you know,
0: why is that such a prevalent need?
1: Um, well, cultures are created that, that they are initially formed by the founder, Uh, and then depending on who they recruit, the kind of people, um, but essentially the leadership, um, what they do and how they behave is what cascades through an organization. Now, the driving forces in young uh, organizations are very powerful uh, because it's about survival, um, largely, and getting money and and so on. So um, that driving force can sometimes create a culture which is pretty dysfunctional. Um, and uh, it's interesting that small organizations tend not to have HR functions, but when they get to a certain size, they feel the need to have an HR function. And by that time, very often there are things that are quite well embedded, and uh, which makes uh, HR a very difficult function to to uh, have. So, uh, on the other side, organizations used to drive society. It's the other way around now. And a lot of leaders in organizations are finding that really quite hard. It's society that's making demands on them. You know, we want you to think about Black Lives Matter. We want you to, to make space for disabled people. Uh, we want you to make space uh, for um, people that you don't necessarily think will fit with your culture because it's a very limited one. So as things grow, society is pushing on them to 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 open up in different ways. And that can be really hard, particularly when the leaders resist it. That's a very yeah. short answer to a very big question. Yes, yeah, so
0: that's a, it's a great answer. And, and it leads me to kind of the next question here is like, what do you see that, is there a trend to the type of change that leaders are having to make? Are, are there common shifts that are happening or is it is it case by case? Is it different in every organization?
1: I I, I don't think it's very good to try and um, put people or organizations or cultures in boxes. Um, I, I do think though that the demands that are being made from the outside are creating stresses which uh didn't used to exist and particularly in the states you know when you can hire and fire it's really easy in in Europe uh it's very difficult um people have much more protection um so uh i think that's one challenge is when an organization spreads outside the US or tries to set up um as subunits, if you like in in other countries, and they try and impose their culture on that country, yeah. they often run into a lot of problems very quickly so um and as I said, the social changes are creating st- stresses, and you know you're getting a lot more suicides, for instance, of young men in particular, mm. and there are lots of reasons for that. Um, but I think one of the things that society is doing is saying, we want you to be responsible, oh employer, for the well-being of your people. Uh, and in the old days they didn't have to worry about that, frankly. Um, so I I suppose from the, the social point of view, yeah, that there, there there are typical changes. Um, I think another thing is is mergers and acquisitions. Uh in as the way I see the world. There aren't many mergers. They're mostly acquisitions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and depending on the care that the acquirer takes, mm-hmm. they can actually destroy the value of what it is that they're acquiring by not looking at the, the difference in their cultures. And frankly, that needs an expert to come in and talk to them about because I have seen the same mistake made over and over and over again where organizations say, "Oh well, we're taking them. they're in the same business as us. There's no problem, but actually, the way that things are done in the different organizations can be very different yeah uh and the the irony of of most merchant acquisitions is the people who set up the deal make the money on the deal and then they they push off to the Bahamas, and the people left holding the baby uh, uh Find it really difficult, and that the losses occur afterwards, after the initial money being made. So I think people need to pay attention to that one. Right, right. So uh, the, something that I've
0: heard in a number of your uh, a number of your responses here, kind of the need to kind of re envision, expand our culture uh, to 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 make it bigger, uh, if you will. How how do you know as a leader? You know, if you don't ha- if you're open to everything, then you're standing on nothing. Uh, to, right. So you still have to have an identity as an organization. So how do you strike the balance between expanding it to be big enough to include all those that, that are part of that culture that that you need to be in that culture, but not making it so open that we lose our identity as an organization?
1: Yes. I've worked with some some CEOs and you go and you say, Well, what's the culture like this? Oh, we don't have a culture here. And that's uh, that's just plain wrong, um, there's always a culture. And um, I, I think that leaders have to be sensitive to the, their growth. Um, very often entrepreneurs that set up an organization take it to a certain level and after that, it needs a, a different type of person to take it on from there. And one of the great challenges for for startup entrepreneurs is to know when to let go oh. um that's not answering your question, but I think it's a very important aspect of this so um if you if you hire people uh for their their values and their it's a sort of ethos more than you hire them. Just because they've got a skill that you think that they need, that you need, you will tend to grow an organization. And and by the way, uh you're transparent. I think that's really important. Um you 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 it's like sowing seeds. And as they grow, you water them, you nurture them, you look after them. And what that have what that does is by osmosis, it brings that that healthy sense of growth into the organization now the the leaders will always hold um a responsibility and and a um uh the the, the identity um but if an organization has been set up by some entrepreneurs they they have a passion they want to do something they want to create something that's not going to that's not going to change um but in order for them to grow underneath them they need a uh, healthy interchange they need uh, people who will communicate cross function all this kind of thing which uh, is great as long as the leaders allow that to grow uh, what you've essentially is the, the fundamental of delegation you know it's so easy for people to say oh i i i would delegate but it's it's, it's, it say takes too long, and it's much too much. I, it's much simpler if I just do it. Well, it, y- yes, it is, but nobody's going to grow underneath you, and they're they're going to. All you're going to do is grow a resistance and a cynicism, and so you've got to help people grow. And then, well, you know, I say organizations thrive when people thrive. So um, you can still hold on to the identity of what you wanted to set up, but um, uh, allow people to, to help that grow. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, such an interesting challenge. And, and, and I, I think, you know, there's this, there's, there is no one simple solution, right? I think it's being willing to step into it and really deal with each of those challenges as they come up to really be. And I, I think the point you're making is being open to How do we need to change? How do we need to grow? How do we need to develop? Um, That's that's really good. So it brings me to uh, a question. I want to actually go back to the mergers and acquisitions point that you made earlier. And I saw something on your site. You said you can't impose a new vision and values on people. They need to see the new behaviors being lived every day by senior management. And when that happens, the vision and particularly the values can cascade all the way down the organization. Tell me what you mean by that.
1: The, the amount of money that so many organisations have have spent on a new identity, you know, they get all these these uh, identity consultants and PR and everything else, and they produce. They they, they firstly the, the leaders go off and they do this workshop and they come back and they're all rah 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 and they've got all these new ideas and new values and uh, uh, maybe even a new purpose and. um Left to their own devices, they they produce these really gl- gl- glossy brochures and big posters, and this is what we believe in. And and you know, people come in in the morning and they look at this stuff and they say, "Oh, is that my values? I didn't know that." Um, and and what you do is you create a natural resistance to it. So what I I always say to organize, well to to the C suite the leaders is. If if you want to create all that stuff, then fantastic. But don't talk about it. Live it, yeah. Be it. And what people uh, in the organisation notice is a slight change, but on the whole, if they've done their homework well, it's a good change and they like it. So that six months later, the the organisation says um, we'd like to. Uh, uh, um, roll out these values, how does that sound? So they don't say, these are your values. They say, how about this? And what it does is it falls on very well watered and fertilized ground because they've been living those and people have been seeing it. And so what it does is produce a congruency. It's a a consistency of uh, being and doing, which uh, really resonates. And therefore, it's much easier for people then to engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. You it can't is, do these things
0: overnight. Yeah, it is so true. I, I forget um, you know, what the study was. I won't even quote the metrics, but the idea of what we say versus what we do, if they don't align, folks will follow what you do far more frequently than what you say. And, and I think you, you've captured that so well of if you go out and you roll changes, even as leaders, we've got some modifications that we need to make to our behavior. We have to shift how we're engaging to align with that. And so you're right; you walk out of it and say, "This is what it is now." You know, it's like there there's a skepticism just from change and just natural resistance to change. And then that skepticism is confirmed when we see even little things that are out of alignment with the words on the wall or in the glossy brochure, and uh, and the whole things for not. So uh, I've got a question for you and and I'm fascinated to see what you have to say here. Um, But what would you say in all of this is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing, if you were to kind of bottle it up and say the one thing that you wish everybody listening or watching today knew, what would it be?
1: The greatest gift you can give to a fellow human being is your presence. You know, when you're on the phone or when you're in your office, somebody comes in or they phone you, they can tell if you're not entirely with them. And actually, unconsciously, it's a huge slap. So there there are enormous Um, Returns to be had if you invest in giving that moment to that person entirely. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: and as you're saying this, uh, I'm kind of reminded of the Steve Jobs, you know, saying yes is a thousand no's. Uh, And I think what's so precious about uh, when we give ourselves in the moment to another person is you never get it back, right? And, And and um, and we're saying no to a thousand other things. Whether that's said or not, whether it's uh, the appreciation is spoken or not, that is a special gift, and uh, yeah, it's, it's something that's it's very helpful for all of us to understand and remember, and and commit to. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, so. One more question here. I'm actually going to shift gears a little bit on you uh, and I'm going to have you take off your coach hat. We, we've talked a lot about how entrepreneurs can can succeed and build better, bigger cultures, uh, but uh, I want to dive in and, and hear from you. Take, again, take that hat off, jump down into the ring with us, uh, put on your CEO hat and talk to us. What's the next stage of growth look like for you as a leader and what challenges will you have to overcome to get there?
1: Well, um, the, w- one thing that I'm very keen on doing, and uh, I'm working on it at the moment, is to create a new leadership program. Um, I'm not uh, adept at doing these things online and creating all the the back end of, of um, an online program, but that that is something that I'm very keen to do because I think the skills of leadership that have got us to where we are today are not the ones that are gonna take us forward. And you're seeing it being played out in so many ways in the world right now. So I think there are new leadership skills and I really want to help to equip um, the people to ha- to be able to handle the huge challenges that are coming. Someone said to me the other day, um, the speed of change that you are experiencing now is the slowest speed of change that you will experience in the rest of your life? Yeah. Well, you know that could scare the pants off you. Uh, but it, it's like, how do we how do we resource ourselves in order to do to to manage that? So that's one thing, leadership. And um, <clears throat> I've uh, I've I used to do a, a lot of facilitation, as you mentioned in your intro, of of various um, uh, C suite off sites. And the, the pandemic sort of killed a lot of that. Everything, everybody went online, but now people are sort of venturing out and and meeting in person again. And uh, so I'm ramping up that as an offering because uh, I think I, I think a lot of leaders don't realize how how releasing it can be to be uh, part of the meeting as opposed to having to run it. 100%. That's what I've a good facilitator can do so. Yeah, those are two things that I'm really looking for for growth in. That's fantastic.
0: That's fantastic. Well, uh, I know some folks are listening, and and what you're saying is just resonating. You're hitting them right where they're at right now. And and so, how can they how can they get in touch with you? How can they find more out about the work that you do?
1: Well, there's uh, the website, which is serenityinleadership.com. dot com. Um, you can look for me on link, uh, LinkedIn, Tom with an H, T H O M. Uh, Dennis, uh, and you—you know—you can—you can email me, Tom T H O M at serenityandleadership.com. dot uh, com. You know, we're the, the, the company, Serenity Leadership. We're, we're on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn, and you know, all the—not TikTok, but <laughs> not yet. Anyway, um,
0: but, I want to see uh, Tom Dennis dancing on TikTok. That, that's my <laughs> one request. Coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I had a chance to go uh, through the Serenity and Leadership uh, website, and it's phenomenal. I highly encourage you to go there. We'll drop the links in the show notes so you can get straight to it. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. It's an absolute privilege. And for those of you listening and watching, you know that your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show and make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you wanna know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.